Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. Everybody here has tendencies in your flesh and weaknesses in your flesh. Every single one of us do. Every single one of us is a a new man that lives in the old man. So the new part of you is born again of the Spirit of God. You know, we become a new creation, all things but you know, become new old things to pass away. Behold, all things become new. But I still live in an old man. And if I let my old man rear up, he's foul in every way. That's what the enemy has to work with. Are there any areas of your life you are engaging in things you know you shouldn't be? There are areas of everyone's life where you're tempted to compromise. Today, Pastor Bill will explain how the enemy knows your areas of weakness and will tempt you to stray and compromise and what you know deep down God wouldn't want. But in the end, the cost of compromise is always too high. You will lose as you face the consequences of stepping into sin. Seek the Lord's help in those areas of temptation. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Numbers chapter 25 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. Numbers chapter 25, if you write notes, title this chapter, The Cost of Compromise. In Numbers, you know, the previous chapters, Numbers 24, if you guys remember, and the chapters before that, there was Balak, who is a, a pagan king, and he had heard how that God was blessing Israel, and particularly how they were winning battles. Uh, they had, had a couple of battles back to back where they were victorious, and really in fear of what they might do when they got to him. He said, I, I, I can't beat him at war. I'm going to see if I can't get him on the spiritual front. So he called this prophet for hire is the best way I could describe Balaam. And he asked Balaam, I want you to curse them. Balaam was willing to do it, if you guys remember. And he was you know, going to receive honor and money and everything else. But every time Balaam tried to or, or, or went to curse the people of Israel, God would only let him bless them. And so after, after three times of blessing them instead of cursing them, Balak is upset. You know, he's, you know, he was wanting him, you know, wanting him to curse him. He's only blessed him. And so the way chapter 24 ended, it looks like these two guys went their separate ways. And if you uh, want to look at the last verse of 24, 25, it says, so Balaam rose and departed and returned to his place Balak also went his way. Now, most people believe in between these two chapters, there was another conversation that took place that Balaam had given Balak, since we can't curse them, there's another way that we can get them. And we give you the verses in Revelation that talks about how they were, they were seduced in the doctrine of Balaam. Well, skip ahead or just write it down in your notes. Write down Numbers 31 verses 15 and 16. And I'm going to read those to you real quick. This is the part of the conversation as Moses is relaying it that that's left out. So Numbers 31, 15 and 16, Moses said to them, have you kept all the women alive? He said, look, these women caused the children of Israel. Notice this through the counsel of Balaam. Balaam was the one that gave the counsel to send in the little Midianite women to, to seduce the men through the counsel of Balaam to trespass against the Lord in the incident of Peor, and there was a plague among the congregation. I just want to give that background. So three times, Balak gets Balaam, curse him. 
and three times Balaam could only bless him. And at the end of the thing, Balaam being such a, and this is the messed up part, he doesn't even really benefit from it. He doesn't get the honor that he wanted, the money that he wanted, but he still gives the enemy of God insight. He says, you know what? We can't curse what God is blessed. And that was the encouraging part for us as believers, that if God has called you blessed, that the enemy can't curse you. We're blessed. We're his kids. That It just should remind us all the limitations that the enemy has upon our lives. If God has called you his, then the enemy can't call you his. If God has said you are blessed, then you are blessed. The enemy is limited. But this is where we learn the lesson because even though the enemy couldn't curse them because he wanted to, um, what the enemy can do is from outside lure and tempt and move. He can't make you or possess you or cause you as a child of God to do anything, but he is one of the names of the devil in the Bible is the tempter, and he can tempt you. He can lure you into a place where you wreck it for yourself. And what couldn't be done externally, you know, as far as, you know, trying to get them to, I'm going to just externally cause a curse to come upon you, that couldn't be done. The way that he accomplished it, though, was seducing them, and they had to cooperate. So this is what you want to get right up front. That's why I called it the the cost of compromise. Everybody here has tendencies in your flesh and weaknesses in your flesh. Every single one of us do. Every single one of us is a a new man that lives in the old man. So the new part of you is born again of the spirit of God. You know, we become a new creation. All things, you know, become new. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. But I still live in an old man. And if I let my old man rear up, He's foul in every way. That's what the enemy has to work with. He can tempt the old man into the old ways, into the old things. Satan can't come in and just do something to you, but he can lure you out into, his, into where you, you bring yourself into a place where you're at odds with the Lord. And that's what's going to happen here. And so one thing I would ask you right up front, and I want you to, everybody here, because we're all human. We all have our tendencies and weaknesses I would ask everybody here to consider in your life, where is it that you tend to compromise? Where do you tend to mess up, to make compromises? We want to identify those areas so that we can repent in those areas and seek the Lord for strength in those areas. Don't want to ignore them like they're not there because they're there. And so if you got areas where you say, man, I keep compromising here. And this is a compromise. It's like making a deal with your flesh. You know you shouldn't, but you're like, it's not that bad. This will comp- that's how compromise works. You'll, well, other people do it, and you know, you, you'll just start rationalizing and coming up with reasons why something that you know you shouldn't do, you, you, it'd be okay this time. That's compromise. It's like making a, a, a deal with your flesh. You can't make a deal with the flesh and win. So with that background, with that backdrop, let's start off. Let, look at verse 1 of Numbers 25. It says, now Israel remained in Acacia Grove. And the people began to commit harlotry with the women of Moab. They invited the people to the sacrifices of their gods, and the people ate and bowed down to their gods. So Israel was joined with Baal of Peor, and the anger of the Lord was aroused against Israel. So this is what happens. Uh, The enemy couldn't curse him from without. Balaam, on his way out, says, you know what? If you send in some of them little Midianite women, 
and let them go into their tents and let them seduce the men. Um, and, and again, the, the process would be this. There's a, there's a, there's, there are layers of compromise. First of all, the men would have to commit sexual immorality and sleeping with women that were not their wives, uh, becoming one with pagan women. Even if they were to enter into marriages, it would be illegitimate in God's sight because believers are not to marry non-believers. Um, they're not to marry pagan people. So they were to come together in sexual sins and sexual union with someone that they should not be with. First compromise, first level of sin. Then those pagan women would say, hey, come worship my God with me. Come, come, come bow down to my gods with me. And, and I want to explain this about Baal Peor and the worship of Baal because it's not just that they would be bowing down in reverence to like an idol. Part of the worship of Baal was sexual. They had temple prostitutes and these things. So part of the worship would be um, it, it would be sexual sin that was involved in that whole process. And so what the people of God have done at this point is they've, they've fallen victim. They, the enemy sent in the women. Um, they, they took them. They weren't forced to. They could have said, no, nah, get out, you know, get out of here. You know, you know, they could have put those little Midianites on their way. They could have sent them on their way, but they didn't. They, they fell for that temptation. They fell into that trick. And as they did, the sequence of events that would take place, they would end up not not honoring God, not worshiping God. Now, 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 not just in disobedience in this area, but actually worshiping another God. And so um, if you guys remember in Revelation chapter two, verse 14, you can write it in your notes as the church there was being rebuked. It says in, in Revelation two fourteen, but I have a few things against you. He says, because you have there those who hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things sacrificed to idols and to commit sexual immorality. And so the doctrine of Balaam, he said, was, it was to put a stumbling block before God's kids, to, to cause them to stumble, to put something out in front of them so they would fall down. It was intentional. And so as much as I want to look at Israel and say, wow, I mean, this was done to them, they also had to participate. And that's what I want us to understand. We do have an enemy. He does want you to stumble and fall. But you got you to work with them. You got to participate with them. If you just walk in obedience to God, Satan is powerless in your life. But if you give in, if you fall prey to, if you, if you go after any of his lures and temptations, then in essence, what he can't do on his own power and authority in terms of just touching you where he wants, you acquiesce, you give way to the enemy, you give him opportunity, you give him access to wreck your life. You help him wreck your life. And so... It's why God's kids need to be so careful to walk in purity, walk in holiness, walk according to the word of God. And as I was contemplating this and looking over this and thinking over it, here are some ways that I see this same thing work out in our culture today. First of all, the, the first sin, the first level of compromise was being in a relationship with someone that, that you shouldn't be. Now, this is as blatant as it could be. You know, children of Israel, straight up pagan, you know, Midianite woman. Um, this just shouldn't be. And so in our culture and in the church, those things happen. You get a Christian man, uh, you know, ends up in a relationship with someone that they have no business being. A Christian woman ends up in a relationship with someone that they're not equally yoked together. We're not on the same page. We don't worship the same God the same way. We're not in the same place. But we start making compromises. Now, if 
in that relationship, then it becomes sexually sinful. Um, the Bible says when you have sex with someone, uh, even in fornication, in 1 Corinthians 6, it says you become one with them. You become one. Um, it, it's, it's a glorious thing within a marriage that two married people would become one in, in body and spirit and, 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 and otherwise. But outside of Christ and outside of the marital relationship, God says you still become one. You join Christ. You're one with Christ. Christ lives in you. When you join yourself with a non you become one with a harlot. You join Christ with a harlot. That's what the Bible says takes place. You become one. Now, some people have become one over and over and over and over again throughout their life. And what happens when someone becomes one? Now, now as you've entered into a, a, a physical relationship, all the, emo- all the things that belong in marriage, the, 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 um, the emotional commitment and connection, and all those things that are there that belong in marriage, and marriage, those are good things. They bind you together where you need to be together. But outside of marriage, now you're bound together to someone that doesn't love God. You're bound together. You feel committed to someone that and committed to God. You feel a strong sense of passion and commitment to something that's actually tearing you away from the Lord. And that's why God says, don't do it. Don't have sex before marriage. Don't fornicate. Don't engage in those things. Now, here's the final step, right? Because you got a believer and a non-believer or a carnal believer. A lot of times I see it happen like this in church settings, uh, Christian and Catholic. It's kind of the same. Christian and really, really weak, nominal Christian. They said they was a believer. Um, you know, it could be more blatant when you got a Christian and a straight up non-believer. But either way, you end up unequally brought together with somebody. And it, this is just a reality. Is, is it easier to pull somebody up or easier to pull someone down? When you look at pulling someone down, right, you already got the weight of their own flesh on your side. It's always easier to pull down than it is to pull up. And so for everybody that says, I'm, I'm going to win them, I'm going to win him, I'm going to win her. Yeah, you, 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 you'll lose together is what will end up happening. And so um, that compromise takes place in our culture. People end up in relationships they don't belong in in the first place. Compromise number one. Then it, it goes too far. Compromise number two, sexual sin. And then next thing you know, you know, I, I know I should be at this thing, but I, I'm not there. I'm not able to go in fellowship. Now I'm, I'm, you know, I got new hobbies with them. I'm investigating other beliefs. I'm, I'm practicing other things. And someone can be drawn all the way away from the Lord. How did, that, how did they get there? How did someone get that far away? Compromise number one. Why were you even entertaining? And I can't tell you how many times people that I know know better are entertaining the, the thought of a relationship with someone that they ain't where they need to be. Why, why are you? Don't ever be that desperate. Right. Don't ever be that desperate because whatever you think you're getting on the front end, if it's not what God has for you, um, it might be a real cute package of what Satan has for you. Um, I don't know what these men were going through when the Midianite women came. I don't know how many of them were married, how many of them were single. I don't know what their status was. I don't know how flattered they may have felt to have these little cute Midianite women come and say, hey, I'm going to come in your tent. Uh, Whatever, however that worked out for them, whatever it felt like they were gaining on that day. By the end of this thing, 24,000 are going to be dead. And I guarantee you, nobody's going to think it was worth it. It'll never be worth it. Compromise always. That's why I call it the cost of compromise. It always costs too much. Um, I've given this out many times, but it says, uh, it's a little saying. It says, sin will cost you more than you want to pay. It'll keep you longer than you want to stay. Um, there was a third one. Cost you more than you want to pay. Keep you longer than you want to stay. And... It'll come back to me later, but but it's messed up. <laughs> so my, my, my memory's not working. But anyway, so as we look at them and their compromise, 
You want to be cautious about you and your compromise. Are you here? Are you in any relationships that you don't belong in? Are you making compromises? Are there things, there are doors that are open that need to be shut? Are there things that God has clearly spoken in, a, in the red and black letters of the Bible that you shouldn't be doing that you're, you're doing or entertaining? Say, I'm going to identify that and I'm going to align myself back up with the Lord. I'm going to repent where I need to repent that I wouldn't continue to go and compromise because compromise costs too much. Um, and so it always will. It always does. It always will. So um, I want to point this out as well, that whenever the enemy talks in Scripture, right, whenever he gets involved in things, it, you always see the enemy trying to get God's people at odds or get God at, at odds with his people or God's people at odds with God. Every time Satan spoke in Scripture, it was bringing division over in Genesis three, as he spoke to Eve, has God indeed said you can't eat of every tree? He knows in the day you eat it, he called God a liar. You'll be just like him, trying to divide her from God, and, and it worked, right? Over in Job, as, as God spoke to Satan himself, as Satan and God spoke, Satan told God about Job, he doesn't love you for nothing. He loved you because you blessed him. He, if you let me take this stuff, he'll curse you to your face. Again, trying to divide God against man. Then you get to Matthew 4, as Jesus has a direct encounter with Satan. And what's he try to do to, to Jesus? Derail him from God's plan. If you worship me, I'll give you all these things now. Never mind, you don't have to go to the cross. Just fall down and worship me. Um, and in each case, that's what he does. And so we want to be mindful of that, that we have an enemy, and he wants to bring division between us and the Lord. And as we look at what happened to them, right, these things are written for our learning. So I want to look at their compromise, how they messed up, and figure out how to make sure that that didn't happen in my life. How to make sure that I don't compromise, that I'm not messing around, that I'm not in situations, that I'm not giving Satan access to my life that he wouldn't otherwise have. He wouldn't have that access if I wasn't sneaking around, if I wasn't compromised, if I wasn't doing something I wasn't supposed to do. And I remember when I was a kid, uh, my mom was very, my mom was very, you know, as we were little, she was, my mom had been molested and had things like that happen to our family. My mom was gonna make sure that this didn't happen to us. And if any rule that could have been applied to protect the kid, my mom had talked to us about it, told us, warned us, anybody do this, touch that, anything like that. It was like all these rules were in place. Now, my father was aware in my neighborhood, there was on, now this is, I found out when I was a grown man, on my neighborhood, you know, in, on the block that I lived on, the people right next door to me, there was a, there was a guy there that was a molester um, who, who actually attempted to molest my sister and I, and it didn't work out. My brother was home. Then two houses down, there was another guy that was a molester um, who actually died of AIDS, you know, seven or eight years ago. And as an adult, I found out that there's three people my age, my peer level, that, that they had gotten to. And as I look back on childhood, I'm going to tell you what kept me from that travesty. There are two houses down. My dad didn't like the guy. And my dad, even my dad, when he left the house, my dad said, don't ever go over there. Don't ever let them, they can't come into our house. And if they ever talk to you, if they ever approach you, if they ever, you know, he, he basically just said, like, don't, I want you to not like them. Don't deal with them. And so me being a kid, I'm like, all right, I don't like them. I'm not going to deal with them. And as I got older, the, sad, the guy that died of AIDS, he worked on the corner at a Christian school after school. He was an after school counselor with all the kids. My best friend, next door neighbor, went to that school. So when I would come home from the bus stop from my school, I would see him and all these kids out there playing. And I'm like, I want to go play over there. And I did at one point start going out there playing. And this guy would give you, you know, peanut butter and graham crackers and milk for free. And I was like, man, but I was defying my dad in that little stretch of time. 
And as I look back, because he was befriending me and everything else, uh, I ended up getting into a fight with a kid there. And because I wasn't supposed to be there anyway, he got in trouble. Then he was mad at me. And I look back on the whole thing and I think, man, that, that, that was a relationship I didn't need to have as I would grow up and find out three of my friends molested. And then he died of AIDS. Um, there are times where God's like, if you would just listen to me, son, daughter, I know better than you know. I see beyond. I don't know if my dad knew or what, but my dad said, don't be around them. And I, it helped me. You know, even though I made that little, that little stretch of disobedience, what might it have cost me to just outright defy my dad in that area? Uh, I don't know. You know, so we want to be cautious to obey the Lord with our whole hearts. Amen. Because he has our best interests. Nobody loves you like he loves you. And he's looking out for your well-being in, in every way. And so moving on now, the, the last that was the last part of verse three where it says, so Israel was joined to Baal Peor and the anger of the Lord was aroused against Israel. And so in essence, the enemy got what he wanted. God's angry that God is angry with them. They've sinned in such a way they're worshiping other gods. And you need to take note that when you commit idolatry, it angers the Lord. God's, God, God's not passive here. God's not saying, oh, it just hurts my feelings. It just kind of grieves me. God's like, no, that angers me. It angers me that you would worship another God, that you would, that you would bow down and give reverence and homage to another deity when I'm, I'm the only one that's real. It angered him, and, and he's going to discipline them for it. Look at verses four and five now. It says, then the Lord said to Moses, take all the leaders of the people and hang the offenders before the Lord out in the sun that the fierce anger of the Lord may turn away from Israel. So Moses said to the judges of Israel, every one of you kill, kill his men who were joined to Baal of Peor. And so here God is dealing with the sin. Uh, we see this throughout scripture. Sin must be dealt with. The wages of sin is what? Death. That's what sin always brings. It brings death. It can bring death to people. It can bring death to God's plan for your life, death to dreams, death to what God would have done. Sin brings death. And so in this case here, God says, look, I want you to take all the leaders of the people and hang the offenders. Now, it looks like maybe some of the people that did this were actually some of the leaders of Israel. And God said, I want you to hang them in front of everybody. So some people read stuff like this in the Bible and they think, man, that God of the Old Testament, that God of the Old Testament was mean. He was something else. But you know what? These guys are going to hang for their sin out in front of everybody. Why do you think he did it out in front of everybody else? As an example, it scared the heck out of you. Next, next time some Midianite cutie come by, you, you, you have in your mind, I'm, remember, remember that guy? Was, remember Charles? I saw Charles hanging and you know, you, all these people you've seen hanging, you'd be like, she ain't that cute. <laughs> I'm going to pass. You know, I'm going to go on back in my tent and read my Bible. You know, so... Um, you know, it, it was to make a point, right? It was a, it was for them to look and say, "Don't do that. Don't look at look at what happened. Look at what it, look at what sin brought." And so, but it's just the leaders that are hung out like this. Um, there's actually a plague that's going to break out, and thousands are going to die. But God said, "Take those leaders and hang them up under the sun in front of everybody." Now, for you and me, right? Because we sin and we mess up, and if we got hung out under the sun every time we mess up, we this church would be empty. Who hung out for you and me? Jesus, you got to be thankful for that. We have to be thankful for that. Jesus hung for me, right? I, I mess up. Now, I didn't do this, but we, we mess up. We sin. We fall short, but he hung for us. He hung, Jesus hung out for us. And 
that should, I mean, for the believer, that, that should always be enough for you to be thankful, for you to be worshipful, for, for you to be willing to serve God, willing to, to sacrifice for the Lord, willing to deny your flesh, because look at what he did for me. I deserve to die, and he hung in my place. You've been listening to another edition of A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Thanks for tuning in. The book of Numbers, well, it has a lot of numbers, but there's much more in this book than that. During their long, drawn-out journey, the Israelites' faith in God is tested. In return, these wayward people test God's patience towards them, but God remains faithful and true in looking out for His chosen people. When you think about it, it's no different today. People disobey and test God's patience, while they also endure hardships and challenges that they wouldn't have desired. But in all, God remains faithful through and through. If you missed any part of this series in the book of Numbers, you can hear these messages by going to CalvaryInglewood.org. A Transforming Word is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. If you're ever in the Inglewood area, we'd like to meet you. Our service times are on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. and Wednesday at 7 p.m. If you're unable to visit in person, we stream our services online. For more information, such as directions and links to media pages, just visit CalvaryInglewood.org. Again, that website is CalvaryInglewood.org. Thanks for tuning in today to A Transforming Word. Next time, Pastor Bill will continue teaching through the book of Numbers, verse by verse, chapter by chapter. You might be surprised by how things in this book might apply to the very things you're working through in your own life. So be sure to join us again to hear and be challenged by a transforming word.